Welcome to the Masters of Modern Recruiting podcast, helping you keep up with the brilliant minds in the ever-changing world of modern recruiting. And now, here's your host, Derek Zeller. Hey, 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 recruiting maniacs. It is Derek Zeller here on our little podcast show. And I've got for today's guest, or for this episode, I guess, of music is someone who's not a stranger to being on these types of shows. In fact, she's a superstar in her own right. It started with Google about, they say, a month and a half ago. Yeah. Very exciting. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, take a seat. Get ready to listen to the wonderful sounds of the lovely and talented Amy Miller. Amy, how are you? I'm good. I'm going to hire you to do all my intros everywhere I go. <laughs> that, was, that was even light. That was like the light sauce. I didn't even put it on the real heavy stuff. I love it. <laughs> Every meeting I walk into, I need you to go ahead of me and like be my, my hero. Just, we give you like some announcement music, you know, like Rocky. <laughs> from Rocky as you come, you come running in, you know. <laughs> totally yes you know we need like a theme song you know how are you i'm good thanks for inviting me this is exciting well, thanks for coming on board we're having a really good time with this i think every episode is getting better and better as we go by got some really cool guests some people some people who aren't as well known maybe in the industry and then there's you know people like yourself that are very well known and then kind of let me mix it up a little bit and get a feel from actual recruiters who are practitioners who are really doing this 99% of the time now. We've had other people on like Andrew Kodansky. We talked about data, big data, what's going on with that, artificial intelligence, which I don't believe in. I think it's machine learning. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I know. I'm the one right out there. there with like military intelligence, right? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I was uh, an army brat. Okay, yes, you can say that. I was gonna, I was just about to say something overtly political, but I realized no, 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 don't go down that rabbit hole, Alice. (laughs) Oh my God, red pill or blue pill? I don't care. Give me the green one. Come all together. So we're gonna do show. We're gonna talk. I got a couple questions we put together for you. Questions we ask lots of people the same, but I think one of the big questions. For me to you, being that you were with Microsoft, you let know that you know you and I actually worked together back in Microsoft days, although we worked in different departments. Yeah. But at the same time, one of the things though is the whole post and pray kind of situation and job descriptions. I mean, do they matter for like? Yeah, I mean. I mean- <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, here's the thing. So a job description does two things. So first of all, it's something that, you know, obviously is is kind of a landing page slash online real estate for job seekers. So if you are in an industry, company, etc, recruiting environment where you have a ton of inbound applicants, and that is a great source of hire for you, and that's somewhere where you spend a lot of time, then they matter. I, I think that's a, a situation where you probably want it to look pretty good and be pretty thorough. For the most part, maybe it's a big company problem, maybe it's a big name problem, I don't know, call it what you will. I think that there are the secondary piece of, of what is a job description is really it's just something that I can share out later. Like I've already contacted you, I've already kind of established some two-way communication, you might be interested in my company, we're continuing the conversation. Now I can be like, oh, and just as an aside, here's kind of a rough 
legally HR approved explanation <laughs> for what we're looking for. But the reality is no matter how you're using the online job description, it, it's really going to be a very vague interpretation at best of what the job really is. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that one of the things too is just like when you have these massive conglomerate companies, and I'm not going to pick on any particular company, but let's just pick on Microsoft, for example. Yeah, or Google, for sure. Or Facebook, even. It's like you know all these massive IT companies. You know, people go out. I don't know many. How many people like would go out and go to Facebook's page and go to their jobs page and search for jobs and apply for jobs and think that they're actually going to get a phone call? No, it's tough, right? And and I honestly, I have no idea. And I think the interesting question is how I would want to know, how does Facebook handle incoming applicants? In my experience, and what I tell candidates to do as well, find someone in the organization, not even necessarily a recruiter. I, I have thoughts on that too. <laughs> but, you know, find somebody in the organization that is aligned to the kind of work you want to do, could be in a position to help you get connected to someone you could work with or for. So reaching out to potential hiring managers, potential peers. If the recruiter is very clearly saying, hey, I'm hiring exactly what it is you are and do, then that's fine. But if you're a finance candidate and you want to apply to an accountant role, don't call me because I am useless to you. Yeah, so, I agree with that. Yeah, so on the one hand, like, yeah, you could go on to Facebook and look at their careers page and and apply for a role, and that's fine. But the question then becomes, how does Facebook, and I don't know how they do it, but I would want to know, is there a live person who's scrubbing every single resume? Is it a keyword search? Do they have an ATS that's doing some bullshit Boolean match? Can I say that? I don't know if yeah. I'm allowed to say that on your podcast, but anyway. Yeah, three free passes. <laughs> Her, her um, view stays up in the first five minutes, I think. Perfect. So, you know, <laughs> I, so I'd want to know that. I, and I think if you are going to do that, if you are an applicant who, who finds value in, in that kind of way of applying and job searching, you better make sure that you're hitting all the requirements. So I know in my previous companies, there is a, a strict like Boolean search against the required qualifications. And if we have to fill to the list even more, then we look at the preferred qualifications. So, you know, there's a lot of debate, like even the male-female divide with men are more likely to apply to roles that they're a 60% match, whereas women will only apply to roles that are they feel like they're 100% match. I'm not going to say that one is right and one is wrong, but I will say from an internal perspective, the stronger the match, the more likely in a perfect world I am to call you. Interesting. Let's flip the script on this thing. Let's go away from the, the inbound. Let's go, to, let's go to the source and the outbound. Yeah. One of the things I've seen is like, and I've had this happen to me, and I'm not going to say what company it was, but it was a, a number of months ago. They reached out to me for more of like a senior role, like more of a director role, which I would yeah. be comfortable at. But the engagement was just incredibly poor. Yeah. It was just bad. They didn't even know if I was actually looking. They didn't know that the recruiter, I could tell she was brand new. Like she had maybe had six months. I could tell she was reading off of a, you know, a script that was given to her. And I was just completely shocked by the whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. halfway through, even she even asked me, well, are you okay with moving to Menlo Park? I'm like, that, that's, pretty much a, that's pretty much like a, a killer qualifying question to ask somebody, not in like the middle or the end of a conversation, but that's kind of like the first thing you're going to want to say. I'm up here in Portland and I really enjoy it. I like yeah. being in Portland. I don't really yeah, want to be exactly. in Menlo Park, California. I mean, um, are you doubling my salary? Because that's probably what it would take. 
at minimum. You know, what I mean, it's like I'm gonna live in a shoebox outside the campus. You know, what I mean, I'm like. <laughs> I guess I won't sell my cards. I'm going to have to sleep in it. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, exactly. You need to get like one of those little, you know, mini Winnie's and just live tiny. I know. Like a, <laughs> little, like a little mini, like one of those van Winnebago things has the yes. pop-up roof or something, you know, so you can stand in the van. I love it. That's yeah. what you need. Yeah. If I wasn't single before, now I really am single. <laughs> You're just completing the, <laughs> the van down by the river package. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The only insurance I have is flood insurance because I'm down by the river. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the, from the sourcing perspective, and I, and I source my own candidates. I mean, I have a robust sourcing team that I work with, but I, I still have to get in there and, and search and, and have for years. But, you know, from a sourcing perspective, I think it comes in increments. Like first and foremost, you know, hey, I'm a recruiter. You're a person who does stuff I recruit. Should we talk? And then it's just opening the door. Is there ever a possibility that I may someday have something that you might be interested in? Yes? Great. Now let's talk about you. And so make it, forget about what you're hiring for. Forget about your open rec. Forget about your pissed off hiring manager breathing down your neck. What does the prospect want? And that's where you uncover things like, hey, I've just moved to Portland and I love it here and I don't see myself leaving and I need a role that's, you know, pretty robust and has a certain title or, or whatever it might be. Those things are going to answer for me pretty quickly without ever verbally vomiting on the candidate that, okay, what I have isn't a fit. And so then it's very simple to say, okay, that's great. You know, right now I don't have anything like that, but I've loved, you know, really enjoyed this conversation. Let's circle back in six months, talk again in case anything changes. And I love that. Right? I love there's that. nothing wrong with that. But the mistake a lot of recruiters and sourcers make is we want to get out front with our stuff and we want to really like throw our job description or God forbid an invitation to apply at this person whose last name we don't even know how to pronounce yet because we haven't had a conversation. Right. Don't do that. Start with the other person first. Let them talk about themselves and what they want. Pick up on those cues. Make sure that there are things that they're sharing that tie into what you're looking for. And then you can lead them to your job description. Not yes. And I'm going to do a, a shameless plug real quickly for Engage Talent because they're the ones that back this thing. There's a reason why I joined Engage Talent. That's, that's the very reason is that one of the best things that Engage does, yes, yeah, so you can get emails, you can get the phone numbers. Even without tools, then you might want to rethink sourcing and recruiting a little bit as a career choice. But with Engage Talent, we tell you there's a reason why this person might actually be looking now. Yeah. Because something either the pattern, like a software developer usually takes a new job anywhere from 18 to 24 months. It's February, the stock bonuses have all appreciated and, and now they're good to go. They're all vested or they got their bonus. They've been there four years and the company just filed for bankruptcy. That's that's kind of like a, a big red flag. So maybe that person might more than likely be willing to have a conversation with you and your response rate can go up through the roof. And that's what Engage Talent does for you. So that's pretty exciting. Thank you, Engage Talent. So let's go into another quick question that I've always liked to like ask right now. What are the challenges of closing the candidate? And when do you, Amy Miller, what is your like take? When do you start to close the candidate? I personally start out with ABC always be closing. Yeah. You know, I start at the very beginning, the first conversation, the first screen. If that's the person, if she's the one I want, mm-hmm. she's the architect that I need. I'm going to start my closing right then and there, even though we haven't even gotten to anywhere near an offer. 
What what is your take? I'm going to leave that wide open. The canvas is is blank. Oh boy, blank canvas, big paintbrushes. Okay. In my big mouth and lots of opinions. I like the no finesse. I like the no finesse approach of Amy Miller. Ah, yeah, so much finesse. (laughs) So, but here's the thing: this is a conversation that requires a great deal of finesse, right? Because I'm with you. I think it's a conversation that should be happening early and often. You know, whether it's specific to comp, specific to motivators, whatever it is. But there's a way to do it. And this may be the Midwestern, you know, bless your heart in me. I don't know. But, you know, there's a way to do it that that can be very, like, velvet. You know, you don't want to, mm-hmm. like, hey, I need to know that if I give you an offer next week, you're going to say yes. Like, that would never feel good coming out of my mouth. I would not be able to say that with any confidence or a straight face. But what I can say is I know you're early, early stages of even thinking about making a change. I want to make sure that as we continue this conversation over the next few weeks and you're talking with hiring teams and you're going through formal interviews, that you're thinking about the things that matter to you. Think about the things that would make you say yes to this role. What do you need to hear from us, learn during the process, et cetera, et cetera, that would make this a good move for you to make? So kind of planting those kinds of seeds, that's a form of closing in my opinion. Good. I like that. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not only just planting the seeds, but it's also kind of saying we've already gone, we've already had this conversation. Yeah. yeah I mean, we've already talked about money. We've already talked yeah. about the two health insurance. We've already talked about yeah. any, anything and everything that, you know, you want a window, we got you a window. It goes back to the old story I once talked about, the guy that wanted the, the big 18-inch monitor. And this is pre-flat screen monitors. I mean, these are the big TV-looking tube monitors that's like a four thousand dollar monitor and the, the guy was legally blind he needed something that big yeah, in order to see yeah so that's all he wanted i mean he was he was a, a phenomenal c unix programmer they loved the guy and they're like what do we got to do to get him i'm like he wants 85 and their jaws hit the ground i'm like yeah that's what i said i mean i'd offer him 90 right but what he really wants is this this big this giant size monitor so he can yeah. see easier and he'd like a window he'd like daylight it's like every programmer and they're like they're like yeah no problem <laughs> Yeah, and it's brilliant, right? And so that's that's part of that whole closing discussion is making sure you're capturing that stuff up front and you're keeping everybody in the loop from start to finish. Like you don't want to get to the end of the process. Your hiring manager is now in love with the guy only to find out that, hey, the whole damn office sits in a basement. Ain't nobody got a window. Well, guess what? Now this no longer works. You know, I mean, that's an extreme example, but I mean, that's by, by just picking those those little things out constantly you you use that and you build that to the entire closing discussion. It, it's not just, okay, you said you wanted 185. I got you 185. We're done, right? No, we're not done. I got four kids. It's June. School's almost out. I got to pay back Relo. I got, you know, if you don't know all this stuff up front, then, then we've got bigger problems. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, you know, we're talking earlier. Now, this is kind of fun. AI versus machine learning. You know, <laughs> you know artificial intelligence, it does... It doesn't exist. <laughs> it just doesn't exist, folks. I mean, the world I, where intelligence is so hard to come by, now you want to throw in artificial. No, right. <laughs> we're, we're the reason why we'll never be visited by other aliens from the rest of the universe are looking at us and laughing. Yeah, pretty much. You know, they're like looking, like us looking down on an anthill, like, oh, that looks fun, but we're just going to avoid that. You know? Yeah, we're going to be like, we're going to give you a couple of thousand years to figure out what you're doing, guys. Yeah. 
exactly. Digital watches and uh, Alexa are not really super highlights for us here in space. Right, no, exactly. But, you know, we had an offline conversation about that, and you made an excellent point. No matter how cool Alexa or shameless plug Google Home might be. <laughs> no, I like Google Home. still feeding the questions. You are still inputting criteria to get back some information. So if that's what we're calling AI, I, whatever, I don't care. I'm the least technical technical recruiter on the planet. So <laughs> you want, but I will laugh at you when you tell me it's going to come take my job because I know that is absolutely bonkers. So I, I do love that Boolean has come a long way and there's semantic search and, and different ways that we can capture information and, and kind of decimate it and take it apart and put it together and, and play around with it. Like that's all great, but you still need the human element to run it. You still need someone to push the button. As you said, you need someone to, to input the questions to figure out you know, what is the data that I'm looking for and what's helpful. And that I think is the biggest problem that sourcers in particular, and I think recruiters and certainly full cycle recruiters have there is no lack of information. There's no lack. Of, don't tell me that, oh, I can't find a software engineer. Nonsense. You can find them because there's 8 billion of them out there waiting, you know, for something interesting. Right. The, new, the next new project. Well, again, it gets, it, it gets so weird, too, because especially, especially in software, because it's always ever changing and they're always updating. So like Agile 1.9 and Agile, Agile 2.0. There's differences between the two platforms and the and the, the two languages. Not nothing major that you and I would ever understand, but there's camps where like they just they don't want to give up their 1.9 or they the 2.0 is the is the cat's meow and that's the only way you can go. And it's just interesting how things have, have just fostered themselves into this like wicked frenzy. Yeah. Um, and people are jumping jobs just to go uh, play with a different tool or a different language because they can. Yeah. And yeah that, absolutely. And that's never even that's never changed. No, absolutely. I I agree. And and I think it's like any other tool. When we went from faxing to emailing, I mean, the medium changed, but you're still putting candidate information in front of a decision maker. I always tell this, I always like to tell this story. I think I actually put it on one of the social medias or Twitter or something like that. I I was trying to explain somebody how to use a fax machine. Yeah. Who was like 22 years old. And they're looking at me like, what is this thing? What does it do? It's like putting a rotary phone in front of an eight-year-old and they're just looking at you like, well, where do I push the buttons? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do I push what? No, totally. But but the end result's still the same, right? You get a yeah. live connection with someone that you can exchange words with. Like, there's no magic in that. I'm typing in the numbers and they're like, well, what is that for? I'm like, well, I'm, this machine's going to talk to another machine and it's going to send over what's called a facsimile. We call it a fax yeah. or, because we the, the world has to shorten every freaking thing that we say. <laughs> So, you know, we're going we're gonna to send over the facts and it's going gonna, it's gonna to appear on the other side. And they're like, oh, you mean like teleportation? Like you're teleporting something like Star Trek? I'm like, yeah, it's a lot like Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I got this lady behind the counter who's probably in her like late 70s, early 80s. And she's got a smile on her face. <laughs> and she is just like, this is the most adorable thing she's ever seen. She's trying to explain to this 20-year-old kid how to use a fax machine. Yeah, the little pixels are flying over your head like yeah. Willy Wonka. As we I say Willy Wonka. It's like it's Wonka vision. That's <laughs> all it is. 
I love it. If it came out smaller, it's going to come out the same size. Exactly. <laughs> That's, I mean, honestly, and I, don't get me wrong, I love tools that make my job easier. I love being able to rapidly pull together information. And if there's ways to filter it and sort it and do all kinds of fun stuff with it to narrow down my shortlist, I am all about that. But we still have that responsibility with our human emotional intelligence. See, that's what we need more of. We need less AI and more EI, right? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Right, because I have to, it's on me to make sure that I'm not inadvertently forgetting about diversity or not looking at non-traditional career paths. You know, not every coder should or does have a CS degree. So it's up to me as the front line to be able to say, you know, I'm not going to just search by master's in computer science because that's eliminating people who've maybe grown up self-taught or and started out in something different and then switched to CS later. Like I need to really be thoughtful in how I'm plugging in those asks into my fancy tool and then what I'm doing with the information that it spits out. So you can't program at least today. And I'd love to see somebody show me this if I'm wrong. You cannot currently program a bot to do that for you without, again, very carefully inputting certain criteria and certain, you know, kind of how you want things back to you. The the machine's not going to do it for you, is my point. Right. So do you think think George Boolean is like, if if he actually came back in time and and was looking at us and saying, this isn't what I was intending or... Yeah, we, no, I, I feel like he's hanging out with Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, and they all are just like face palming. Like, this was not the idea, guys. Now <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to go. <laughs> What's the thing, though? I mean, I'll sit down with like Dean or uh, Aaron Lentz and those guys, or, or, or Ronnie Bratcher and, and Steve and those guys, and they're like, like putting together like a paragraph for a Boolean string. I'm like, all I really wanted to know was where's the closest Chick-fil-A. I didn't, you know, why is, why is this string like 19 pages long to find the closest Chick-fil-A? I think you're like, we're overthinking things to a certain degree. For sure. For and there's sure. so many, there's so many tools out there that can like, you, just, you, you, you can put in natural language and just find the things that you want. I'm a, I'm a big fan of natural language. And again, I, I mean, I am so impressed with the brilliant minds in our industry that are winning hackathons and doing all this amazing, like it is, it is mind blowing and super impressive to me. Like I give them all the props and respect in the world, but I also fully recognize that that will never be me. I'm totally okay with that. And I'm still a raging success. (laughs) Well, you are a raging success. I mean, that's the thing. I'm proud of me. So there's that. (laughs) Well, I'm proud of you too, Amy. I know John is as well. I'm doing okay, you know. I mean, I'm you're doing all right. You're doing all right, Amy. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> my mom likes me, and my dad likes me. My parents are like, my daughter works for Microsoft. Well, not anymore. She's working at that other place now, but it's all good. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's working at the place that starts with G or something. I don't yeah, know. You know that internet company. <laughs> the one with the funny memes. So. We're getting close to wrapping things up here in a little bit, but so let's, I'm going to ask Amy, what, where do you see us going from a recruiting slash sourcing perspective with all of this AI is taking over the world type thing, which it really yeah. isn't AI, it's machine learning, which we've already discussed. Where are we going to be in five years? Like five years ago, I would never have said I'm going to be where I'm at now. 
Well, even where recruiting is kind of at, I mean, have we plateaued? Are there new fields to sow? Is there new fruit to be harvested? I mean, what is your take? I mean, you've been in this business a long time like me. Yeah, 20 years this year. It's wild. Happy anniversary. I, okay, so I would say five years ago, probably even seven to 10 years ago, there was a big shift in the industry where it became all about the Boolean, all about the technology. Tech recruiters, you know, should have been a coder in another life, you know, there, there was this big emphasis on technology. And I somehow fumbled my way through that because I'm not technical and I don't care to be. But I feel like we're going to see another shift in the coming years where we are going back to the emotional basics. And, and yeah, okay, fine. Plug in natural language processing and plug in keywords. And, you know, we'll give you the shiny tools. And that's great. And, and we'll teach you how to push the buttons. But the best recruiters and the best sourcers among us are going to be the ones that are able to connect on a very, very human level with prospects. So, yeah, I, I see that. And I see the disconnect already happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. I saw that at SourceCon a couple of weeks ago. One of the sessions that I did, or a table session that I did, you know how much I love to do public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> One of the table sessions that I did, though, it was about how do you engage with talent? How do you, what is, what is the first steps? And, you know, we had a few people at the table and we had a good conversation going. They, they switch it out like every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, the 15, 20 minutes came or whatever, and they said, okay, you know, everybody switched tables. Nobody left the table. They wanted to yeah. keep talking. They were like, this was like, brand new to them. I'm like, this is recruiting 101, folks. I mean, come on. This is this is how you email signatures, how you put in the subject lines, what you're asking the candidate, telling the candidate, so on and so forth. By the time we got to the last session, not only the people that had not left, the second session didn't leave, and the third session came in, and we were like three or four rows deep. Mm-hmm. And I'm like stand, sitting in this table. At one point, I literally had to stand up. Like, can everybody hear us? Yeah. Because I'm mean, like, this is insane. It's like 100 people from SourceCon, which is a pretty big deal for a table, yeah. comes in. And I'm like, because they don't know. And I'm looking at them all, and there are all these young faces. And they're like, but we were told this, and we were told that. I'm like, that's great what you were told, but it, it's not right. Yeah, exactly. And that's It's not about us. It's about them. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's where we, as the OG recruiters in this industry, really need to be. And I'm so glad that you're doing this and, and having these roundtable discussions and that we're talking about it on the podcast too, because we have a responsibility to the next generation of recruiters and sources to make sure that they are staying grounded in the human element, because I think it's only going to become more and more important. I just had this happen to me last week. Here I am brand new to my organization, just kind of testing the waters and you know, putting out some feelers with some potential prospects, you know, just not not necessarily looking to really build up a pipeline, but just kind of testing the waters a little bit, you know, and seeing what I'm up against as a brand new Google recruiter. And I engaged with a candidate because we were joking about Monty Python, like not someone I even was seriously targeting. I didn't, you know, based on the timing and what AI would have told me not to call this guy. Right. The traditional machine learning model, if I plugged in all the algorithm and criteria, it would have spit it out and said, call this guy in six months. But I took a chance because he said something funny. I, as a huge lover of John Cleese and British humor, basically thanked him for making my day with his humor. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're knee deep in conversations about him potentially coming to my organization. So, you know, you, you sometimes you just got to go with your gut and we have to teach that we have to teach when it's okay to be human and when it's okay to engage on that very personal individual to individual level and the results will come. Yeah. It's humanization. Humanization. Yeah. It's interesting because it's really, and this is the, this is my last time before we, we jump off here, but because we could go on this for for hours, you and I, all day long, <laughs> all day long. 
Mama, get the biscuits and, and gravy. We're going to be talking for a while. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, though, it really boils down to, I mean, I mean I've mean, i done speaking events in Australia. I'm going to be doing Europe next year. What first time I'm going to go, hopefully, to Amsterdam. I've always wanted to go there. But the fascinating thing to me is the people that I've talked to from outside the United States, and even Canada to a certain degree, they look at me like almost shocked. They're like, of course. You know, Australia, New Zealand, these are not, the whole country is smaller than uh, population-wise than the city of New York. Wow. You know what I mean? So if you mess with a candidate or you lie or you do something, you're just, you know, pugnacious, that's going to spread like wildfire. Yeah. You, you might as well go get, might start putting applications in at Subway and McDonald's because you're not going to be a recruiter anymore. No one's going to want to talk to you. They're just looking at me like, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. They're looking for, they want other tips and tricks. And I don't think AI, speaking of, you know, Sydney and, and other points across the world, I don't think AI has solved for cultural sensitivities as well. No. I agree. Sensitivities, whether that's U.S. centric, even just how you talk to someone from New York versus how you talk to someone from Alabama, and then you know, obviously, you start plugging in Europe and Asia and and other parts of the world. Like, there's different approaches that work in different ways to be really respectful of someone's culture, where they're coming from, and what's important to them. So that all comes from learning. That's that's all learning. That's being taught by the right people and listening to the right people, reading the right things. Absolutely, and asking questions. That's right. Ask questions. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions. Amy Miller. Always great to hear your voice. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Thank you for taking the time out to come and talk with me and our happy listeners. We now have been informed that we have four listeners now uh, downloading in Mongolia, so we're really taking off. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's well, the big time, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again, Anne. I'll we will uh, be back in touch soon, and that is all. Have a great one, you guys. You've been listening to the Masters of Modern Recruiting podcast with your host Derek Zeller, and powered by Engage Talent. To learn more about Engage and how modern recruiters everywhere are discovering new passive candidates and getting to them faster than ever before, schedule your demo today at www.engagetalent.com forward slash request dash a dash demo. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode.